When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, Marlins fans? This is Eli Sussman here, managing editor of Fist Stripes, where we cover your Miami Marlins every day in our own way. I'm about to tee it up for our own Noah Berger as he releases another exclusive interview as part of his What a Relief podcast series, this time with lefty Stephen Okert. A little bit of housekeeping to get to before we go into that. I guess, first of all, if you're listening to this, be sure you're subscribed to Fish Stripes wherever you get your pod and leave your rating and review wherever applicable to let us know how we're doing with our various show formats covering the Marlins throughout the season and the offseason and everything in between. On social media, find us on Twitter. Just rolling out a brand new super follower subscription option, so details of that are up on Twitter as well as on our main site, fishstripes.com. The rest of us on social media, the rest of the other outlets, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. I've been pushing this for a while now. We're so close to our 1,000 subscriber goal. That's where you get the video version of this Okert interview, as well as a whole lot of other stuff that we do can only be seen on YouTube. Subscribe over there. Turn on the notifications bell so that you know whenever we go live. We have a couple amazing guests lined up for Fishstripes Live heading into the All-Star break. Those shows always in the early evenings heading into each Marlins series opener. As I referenced before, fishstripes.com has it all. That's how you stay connected with all our programming, our written content, analysis, historical coverage, live, in-person, exclusive reporting, and all that good stuff as well about the Marlins. Go to fishstripes.com. Heading into Stephen Okert, about to turned 31 years old on Saturday, and he is having, I think you'd have to say, his career year here in 2022 for the Marlins. Barely one year since he was brought up from their AAA affiliate. This year, a 2.36 ERA through 33 appearances. He has settled in as the eighth ending guy for this Marlins team. Who could have seen that coming? But he's allowing only about one base runner per inning this season, doing a phenomenal job pitching as often as three consecutive days, we get into that with Okert on this interview. Somebody that's just had a very unorthodox path as someone who was off the prospect grid entirely early in his amateur career. After a few seasons with the Giants, winded up back in free agency and didn't land with the team until the Marlins in early 2021, relying so heavily on this nasty low 80s slider 
He's been able to dominate lefties and hold his own against righties to set him up in this position where he is handling all these high leverage innings for the Marlins and having a lot of success doing it. He's a master of inducing soft contact, and it seems pretty sustainable at this point now that we have a couple seasons, even dating back to 2021 where he was doing this very well. He enters Thursday ranking in the 97th percentile in hard hit rate against, according to StatCast. So he has a role on this team. He has a niche, and he is a key reason why this team has been probably playing better than expected dating back to June and so far here in early July. Okert is a couple of years away from arbitration eligibility. He's under club control through the 2026 season. So get used to seeing him because Okert could be around a while in this Marlins bullpen. It is the second episode of a What a Relief series here on Fish Stripes. Be sure to check out the Anthony Bass conversation from a couple weeks ago if you haven't already. With that said, buckle up for Noah Berger and Stephen Okert here on the Fish Stripes podcast. It is What a Relief, episode two. Enjoy. All right, welcome everyone to the second episode of the Water Relief Podcast. I'm your host Noah Berger. We're back again. We're back again with another pitcher from the Marlins bullpen. Stephen Okert is here with us today. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're just going to go through your career and have a couple questions, maybe a couple stories that I want to pull out of you. Um, so you were drafted back in 2010. And 2011 oh. by the Brewers, and yes. you didn't sign with them. What went on there? What goes on in that kind of situation? Like, take us into that as a player being drafted at that age and um, making the decision not to sign. Yeah, honestly, I had no idea I would even be drafted and uh, got a call from the Brewers scout and they did kind of a summer follow-up thing. I played summer ball that year. They wanted to see me play and then ended up with no offer. So it wasn't really my decision on that one. So it was kind of, they just told me they weren't going to offer and to go back to school. Ah, so it's actually the team's decision in that case. That one was, yes. So then in 2012, you were drafted in the fourth round by the Giants. Yes. How was that? Uh, that was awesome. We had just got back from... Uh, regionals in Virginia and we got back late and I get a call in the morning and, and I mean I didn't even I just they called and said congratulations and I was just waking up I'm like for what and you know, I didn't even have the scouts number saved and you know then he obviously told me I was drafted in the fourth round by the Giants and you know then I started getting texts from family and everybody congratulating me and stuff it was awesome that's that's really cool um so going through the Giants organization, you made it all the way up to the major leagues. You made your debut in 2016. Uh, I think it was against the Cardinals? The Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. I had that in my notes. It's right here, and I completely didn't even look at it. Um, and it was a two innings pitched. Had, had, had that field. It just get on a major league mound. 
Oh, it was incredible. You know, I'd, I'd gotten to throw a couple times in um, in the Bay Series game. So I got the pitch there, but obviously not in the regular season. So, you know, getting up there, the you know, the place was packed. The, we were on the run of however many consecutive home game sellouts. So it was incredible. And then, you know, I get out there and I walk the first guy. And the, not such a good feeling then. <laughs> so, but, you know, next guy hits a – crushes a ground ball and Crawford and Panic turn two and – and I get my first strikeout for the next guy. Waves at that one. Strikes out. Second strikeout for Lamb tonight. Two down. That's the first major league strikeout for rookie Steven Okert. There are his parents. That's awesome. So after multiple seasons with the Giants, up until I think it was 2016, 20, 2019, you were granted free agency and took two years off of baseball, it seems. Like, I can't find any stats for you. What what went on during that time? Yeah, that wasn't by choice. Or, you know, got free agency and thought, uh, you know, I thought I'd have a few teams trying to get me. And then throughout the offseason, just no communication from anybody. No, no teams were interested. Finally got some scouts to come out in January and watched a couple of bullpens and really still nothing. And then went through at the Padres spring training facility like three times, I think, threw really, really well and still nothing. So, you know, and then COVID obviously hit and then nobody played. But it was a... Uh, it's not a good feeling to not have a job, have, you know, all 30 teams. I've reached out to all 30 teams and nobody wanted you, you know, because it, it was pretty tough. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound fun at all. Um, so through the grapevine, I've found out that your, your agent is former Marlin Tom Kohler. Mm-hmm. How did that relationship come about? Um, like I said, you know, we weren't getting any interest from anyone and, you know, so me and my wife talked and she ended up putting up a, uh, anonymous post on Facebook through the wife's page, trying to get, uh, recommendations for agents and Tom's wife, uh, commented and gave his information and I reached out to four or five different agencies and ended up going with Tom and I, you know, the way he, he was kind of persistent asking me if we were ready to do this. He's ready to get to work. And, you know, obviously he he made good money in his career playing baseball. So to me, it felt like something that he really wanted to do. And it wasn't just, you know, him trying to be an agent to make some money. And so I go with him and I mean, he's nonstop reaching out to all the teams. He told me, he's like, dude, they're going to block me. I'm reaching out so much. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just like, well, you know, he's doing everything he can. So now it's all up to, to me to try to get a job. I mean, he's reaching out. He's getting scouts here. He's, you know, getting some attention. And so I just I felt like he was a good pick, a good match for me. So over the years, how much uh, how much interaction with him have you had, like since coming into the major leagues? Like how often do you see him? Um, I've seen him. Twice, I think. In person, obviously, last year through COVID, we weren't really allowed to do anything, and uh, this year it's much more open. But 
Um, he texts me almost out of every, after every outing. You know, him and, and the owner of the agency, they both text me almost uh, every outing. But in person, I've seen Dave, the, he owns the agency, owns it. I've seen him once. I had dinner with him in New York. And then I had um, dinner with Tom in spring training and, and lunch one year last year, one time last year with him. All right. So now that we've gone through the history of Stephen Oakert, I want to ask you, was there any pitching coach or manager that you really, over the years, really connected with that you still go back to and get in contact with and talk to? Yeah, I still talk to uh, Steve Klein. You know, he played for quite a while. He was, uh, I had him as my pitching coach in low A, double A, and triple A. So I had him for years. And me and him, you know, since low A in 2013, we've kind of been boys. So I still call him every once in a while. And it's funny because some of the, you know, Ben and uh, Rick, our trainers, were with the Giants. So I call him and we'll talk to him and stuff. But he's him. And, and then there's one more. He, uh, Mike Couchet, he's was our uh, short season coach for the Giants. And I really connected with him. So I'll still talk to those two. It seems like you 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 have a lot of connections with that Giants organization because they brought you up. Um, did, was there any f- other player that you've connected with over the years from another team that you always have kept in touch with? Um, I still talk to Chris Stratton. He's with the Pirates. I still talk to him uh, here and there. And then uh, Derek Law, I want to say. I could be wrong. I'm going to feel bad, but I could say he's with the Twins. I can't remember who he said. But uh, I still talk to them. They were, uh, I came up from low A all the way up with those two. So we, and then Tyler Rogers, he, uh, I was with him for years too. He's, he's right behind me for all time appearance, uh, leader for Sacramento, I believe. So we were obviously together for quite some time. Wow. That's a lot. Um, all right. So you've told me on, in previous, uh, meetings that you are a gamer. Yeah. What kind of games do you play? Uh, I've been playing a lot of rock league lately. Um, been trying Apex, but I'm kind of terrible at it. Uh, I can't get it. And then uh, Sea of Thieves. It's like this pirate game. Yeah. I've been playing that with one of my buddies. So how how much gaming do you usually do when you're during the season? Uh, after games, go go back play for a couple hours before bed. So we had Anthony Bass on last week. Um, two weeks ago, um, and he was very um, particular about the first pitch strike mentality, and his that was one of his keys to success. What's one of your keys to success when it comes to when you're getting on the mound in in a tight situation? Um, you know, I'd have to kind of agree with him. The, like looking at the outings I've had and, and the outings our bullpen's had as a whole, you know, everyone. We get in there. It doesn't, I mean, obviously, first pitch strikes great, but, you know, first pitch ball, you got to get right back in there and get ahead. And, uh, you know, our numbers are just when we're ahead, it goes our, in our favor way more. So, you know, it's something I've talked to Bass about, you know, what he's done different from last year to this year. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, he keeps talking about is really trying to get that first pitch strike, really getting ahead of guys. And then, you know, staying aggressive and putting away early and not, you know, not messing around, getting deep earlier in the year, you know, I was going three, two to everybody. And 
you know, stressful. Every, every at bat was stressful. So definitely getting ahead is huge. What's it like pitching on three straight days? Um, stuff. Um, <laughs> obviously we, you know, we try to prepare for that. We have the idea that that's going to happen. Uh, felt honestly talking to, to Bass and Tanner, we all felt pretty good. So, you know, that's a good thing. But, but for me, I feel like the toughest thing was, you know, facing the same couple hitters three days in a row, you know, then getting to see me. Obviously, I'm going to throw a lot of sliders. I get to see that a lot. And then I throw Bell a terrible one and, and he gets it. You know, I feel like that's that's the toughest part. It's just those guys getting to see us that many times That's that in that many days, you know. When a when a wacky play happens or in an error or someone boots a ball, how do you get focused after that? How do you not let that just completely take you off the rails of of your pitch of your outing? Um, I mean, obviously you hope that'll happen, but you know, errors are gonna be part of the game. Look at the action on this cue shot. Bare hand and Oker drops it. Ruiz smelling a close play at first, getting down the line. I mean, how many times you look at Wendell the other day with the, the out he got for me for Cruz. I mean, that ball is smoked. That ball shouldn't be caught, you know, and he catches it. So it's like, obviously, they're picking us up a lot on great plays, you know, everyone. The whole, our infield, our outfield has been picking us up. So it's like an air is going to happen. You know, I hope it doesn't. You you know, take a second and get back up there and try to get a ground ball, turn two, try to, you know, get a quick out, get us back in the dugout. But really, you just try not to let it even affect you, you know. Um, so you're out in the bullpen for hopefully seven innings uh, before before you go out there. When do you usually start to get ready? Um, I'd say like mid-fifth, I'll start really rolling out and stretching. And then uh, sixth inning, I'll play catch with the outfielder. And then through the sixth and seventh, just kind of moving around a little bit, trying to stay loose and tell the phone rings. So you say till the phone rings. A couple, uh, I think a week or two ago, the Rockies were in town. And I think Bass was past pitch the seventh. And nobody was on the mound of the bullpen during the bottom of the seventh and the end of the seventh happens and you come out and you're like, what, wait, what me, what happened there? I'm not sure what, uh, was the purpose for that, to be honest with you, but it's going to be Steven Okert to pitch. So maybe it was just to, to announce the pitching change to the umpire and crew. I'm not sure. Well, not much to say about that. It was just a little miscommunication. So, you know, it was a little confusing. But, you know, like I said, luckily I, you know, stay ready from the fifth on. So it wasn't too bad. You know, I get some plyo balls in and stay pretty loose. So just a little mis miscommunication. You guys spent a lot of time out there. Just the eight of you, I think. There's, there's That's how eight, many bullpen guys... What kind of stuff are you guys talking about out there? What kind of stuff are you guys doing to pass the time? Oh, gosh. The first <laughs> few innings, it's honestly 
just random stuff. I got Tanner sitting next to me, and he just got thoughts popping out everywhere. Yeah, Ed and he is here, same thing. Thoughts are just going everywhere. But we were joking yesterday uh, that on you know usually it's like the first three innings, and then guys kind of start locking it in a little bit. We're joking on Sandy days that the whole bullpen's just checked out. You know, we don't got to do anything. It's it's Sandy day, so we can just all hang out and mess around. You guys, uh, ever take naps out there? No, definitely not that. Oh God, we'd be all over social media for that. <laughs> that would be a good thing. How much? How much do you enjoy interacting with the fans that are in and around that are like around the bullpen? I know here there's the sports lounge right next to the bullpen, and places like Philly. You got them right behind you. What's that like? Philly. Philly's tough. You know, they're, they're out there just wearing you out the whole time. Uh, here, you know, we don't, the sports lounge is, they got that music so loud. So those people are in their own world. They're, they don't let, really talk to us or anything. Uh, mostly it's just the kids above us just screaming ball at us. You know, we'll give them a wave, tell them hi, and they'll just continue to scream ball. So that's most the interaction we get out there. Every major league ballpark is different. Some bullpens are way out in center field. Some are but are separated. Some are together. Some are down the lines in Tampa. What's yeah. your ideal setup for a bullpen? Oh man, well, just anywhere not on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Fair like enough. Ones. Um, so I think I think Colorado's got a cool bullpen. But by the time you run in, you're tired. You know, it's so far away. Um, Isn't that the one with the like the rock with like the forest out yeah, there? Yeah, it's got the little water, the little pond and stuff out there. It's a pretty cool one. Um, I like Atlanta's because it's got a quiet room. You get a little bullpen room, and it's I don't know what kind of glass. It's like bulletproof glass. It's silent in there. And it's fan-proof it, glass. You open the door, and it is just. So loud screaming, you walk in there, it's you can get away, get a little quiet time. Sometimes but, I wish I had a room like that. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, just anything not on the field. Um, so to finish up, well, uh, you've got to throw teammates under the bus. Oh gosh. What kind of practical jokes have you witnessed over the last few weeks, whether out in the bullpen or in the clubhouse? There hasn't really been too many, honestly. On Who's the bus, this? obviously, you get called up and you got to sing or whatever. But Have you ever had to sing for the team? Not here. In, in 2016, I did. I had to sing uh, for Friends in Low Places, whatever that song's called. <laughs> It was great because wow. I really knew the song. So 20 seconds in, the whole bus was singing. So that helped me. But the mic slowly went away. Who's the guy in the bullpen that likes to cause trouble, stir the pot? I'm just going to have to say Tanner. I'll just throw Tanner under there. He's not going to like it. So when can, he'll throw me back under. But I'll say Tanner. <laughs> yeah, I remember you guys. a lot of things out, you know, like, hey, see that? See that? Yeah. So, <laughs> I was going to say Tanner. Yeah, you guys yesterday were having some fun in the clubhouse with the interviews they were doing, and I'm, ho- I'm oh, yeah. I can't wait yeah, for Bally to put up. Do you know the NL reliever who happens to lead the league in wins right yeah, now? Right. No, I couldn't tell you. National relievers and victories. Spot question. No, I didn't give I you any no prep. I have no idea. Uh, no, I do not know off the top of my head. I'm guessing it's somebody a couple lockers down. There he is. The bold guys. 
No, no, no. It's the long-haired guy, Stephen. I have no idea. You didn't know? No, no clue. That's how it goes sometimes, right? You, yeah. You, you're tied with Pablo Lopez with five victories. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Guy's going six, seven, eight innings. I gotta get one. And I mean, I could take some of those. <laughs> I got plenty of L's in my record. All right. Do you have any final thoughts? Any message for the fans or anybody out there? Uh, I mean, just thank all the fans. Keep coming out here. Keep packing the place. You know, we're having a great time. All right. Thank you so much, Stephen Oker. This has been the Water Leaf Podcast on the Fist Drives Podcast channel. Thank you very much for listening and watching. Thank you, guys.